Welcome, Mike Shope, with our Draft Sharks team, Matt Schauf, Jared Smola, my deep end co-host, draft guy, Adam Krautwurst. We're going to have a vibes show today. It hopefully, you know, gives us good vibes. Beach Boys show? Vibes, instincts. Adam's word is instincts. What's the difference? Which is better? Is it vibes? Is it instincts? Do we want to settle that? I think it depends on whether you're talking about it at the gym or at like the <laughs> commune, right. right? Or at the blackjack table. Oh. The other. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> we want to thank Rockvox Recording and Production of Rochester, New York, where we are today. Professional podcast, voiceover, and live stream studios and production services. Check them out at rockvox, R-O-C-V-O-X.com. So first week, first full week of the preseason, there's been lots of news, and we're all processing all of it or most of it what does it mean good vibes bad vibes certain guys before we start into players i i like the uh, the idea of buying the bad vibes like if there are bad vibes with so often as it is that it doesn't really come to fruition and it was nothing to worry about Traylon burks is somebody we might get to today before we make it official and run through our names where like okay well I'm supposed to be worried about Traylon Burks. I I choose to not be worried about Traylon Burks, but you know sometimes it's it's right to be cautious. So how do you guys sort of generally feel about training camp news like that? Well, vibes can change too, right? Like you can you know have bad vibes in the spring, good vibes in the summer, which is kind of where I'm at on Traylon Burks at this point. Um, but yeah, to me, it's just taking it all in, and we get so much news, so many reports, we see so many preseason games. Taking it all in and, you know, just there, there's there's not, and you know, vibes is probably a bad word because I think it's more than that. It's, you know, our experience playing, like, you know, Adam calls it instincts, but, you know, he's, he has so much experience playing fantasy football. He's done this for, for so long that there's, it's more than just instincts. It's, you know, the, the knowledge he's built up, I think, over all this, all these years doing this. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I think a lot of the times when I, me personally, when I want to kick myself is when I, get a bad vibe on a player when I shouldn't have. Like, I think of Justin Jefferson a couple of years ago. Like, oh, he's running with the twos and the threes. He's running behind B.C. Johnson. It's like, and even I fell for it. You know, I, was, uh, I wasn't quite fading because he was still going in, like, the 10th round then. But it's like you got to know and learn um, kind of generally what coach speak to listen to, what news to, to listen to, um, you know. And, uh, and yeah, so I think that, that that's a lot to do with – um, and that's where kind of the analysts come in. The the projections are really helpful because it's like, okay, well, even if we do want to lower this guy, how much lower does he actually move? Because sometimes we can, we can overreact, right? Like, oh, this guy's running with the twos. Well, am I really going to drop him 30 spots or is he still in that tier for me or whatever? But yeah, I think it's tough. I would I would take Jared's changing vibes point even further and say not only that they can change, but vibes have to be malleable because yeah. you can start out hating a guy at a certain point. But if everybody collectively hates him and he's down four rounds, you have to at least reevaluate. You can still be out on him, but you can't just have the same opinion. That's when you miss out. Like to Adam's point with Justin Jefferson, you can start out saying, oh, I don't I don't like what's going on with him. But then you start looking what's around and saying, oh, actually, maybe I could see this path. So you have to be able to change those vibes. Doesn't doesn't mean every player is going to shift, even if he moves up or down the board, but it, it has to be possible. You still want to 
at least keep in mind, if not defer to, what is the team's investment in this player? I mean, I've got beat reporters who are telling me whatever they're they're seeing. Eric Eager from PFF was on my WGR show last week. I said, well, how do you process that? He said, as a general rule, if it's negative, it's true. <laughs> because yeah, there's just right. le- so much less incentive for yeah. the reporters to yeah. speak critically of players. And so that seems like a general pretty good rule of thumb. But Tennessee on Burks, first round pick, like, okay, rookies are supposed to need time. Like, if he's running with backups, okay, that seems maybe even normal to me. The, the, uh, the alternative would be if he's just amazing, which he doesn't really need to be uh, to make him a good draft pick. Sure. And so, it's Nick Westbrook Akini that, you know, he'd right. be losing it, playing. It, it, it's like the BC, BC Johnson. Johnson. You know. I just want to, you know, yeah. you want to kick yourself. And the so. other part is the price. We're not talking about right. why you should or shouldn't take Traylon Burks in round four like Jamar Chase was last year. It's why you should or should not take him in round nine or eight or whatever around there. It's like you're not investing that much. So you're not. there's no no real risk on it. For Adam's part, he's still holding on to BZ Johnson in <laughs> Dynasty. That's right. All right, well, let's talk about a few players in, in some more depth here. Matt, Leonard Fournette was somebody that, even before training camp, gave fans, fantasy players, some reason for concern. Are you worried? Yeah. I He has given me the willies ever since before <laughs> we were hearing about how big his stomach was. And so it, it's just that... I think that the big difference on Leonard Fournette is now we're looking at him like last year's guy. So a year ago, we were all hesitant to draft him. We didn't know how the backfield was going to sort out. We liked Tampa Bay. But we just didn't know what the answer was going to be. And it turned out Fournette was the answer. And they, the Bucks took some weeks to figure it out. They finally gave it to him. And then they re-signed him. So the money that they spent on him this offseason says, yeah, we think Lenny Fournette is the guy he was for us last year. We want him to keep being that guy. Now, though, you have to pay a second-round price on him. And he is beyond the role that should be there. And I'm not doubting that he's the feature back. But beyond that role, there is the injury history on him. Lower body stuff throughout his NFL career has yet to play a full healthy season. And the injury risk, we talk about, Jared, the biggest factor for a running back, even bigger than that injury history, is the touch count carries specifically. And if what we love so much about Leonard Fournette is that now he's going to get those carries from the beginning of the season, well, guess what? That also means he's going to get that elevated injury risk from the beginning of the season. So when he's on the field, is he going to pay off at that point-per-game price? Probably, but I'm concerned about him overall. To me, the biggest thing is we were getting Fournette in round 10 Mm -hmm. last year, and it's always tough, Mm -hmm. these guys, to take them You know, eight rounds earlier in Fournette's case. Um, So I I, I get the concern. I I still think you know late in round two, which is kind of where he he settled, Like I I think he's going to or at least at least return value in that at that price on a per game basis. You know, we talked about all running backs being injury risks. Fournette does have the the factor. We know he does a lot in the passing game, which we talked about on our injury guide show. You know, that kind of uh, reduces the injury risk a bit. Um, so I I get your concerns, but I'm I'm in on Fournette as a you know late round two pick. And that's what makes us a vibe show, right? Is I I'm not that's telling right. Jared that he's wrong. <laughs> Fournette makes sense there, but when I'm in the end of round two and I'm like Leonard Fournette's there, Alvin Kamara's there, James Connors there, T Higgins is there, Tyreek Hill's there, I'm like I can't take Leonard Fournette right here. Yeah, Kamara has when worries about a possible suspension have mostly been alleviated. He's moved into that that area. It gives you one more option if you want to go running back. Underdog ADP on Fournette, 24. Fantasy Mojo, Football Guys Tournament, uh, last few days, 23. So you're looking late second round. Really a part of the draft where you're deciding how you want to build your team, you know. And then after that, sometimes anyway, which players 
Adam, I know uh, from personal experience <laughs> how you feel about Kyle Pitts, and apparently nothing so far at training camp has worried you? No. no. Uh, I have a Kyle Pitts jersey. That's all you guys need to know about <laughs> Kyle Pitts. A buddy Why do my, you wear it today? That's, oh, that's a great point. I should, I'm saving it for like... Maybe the vibes aren't as strong as he's letting right. on. <laughs> I think it's dirty. I've worn it eight days in a row. I think that's what it is. Um, but yeah, like a buddy of mine was at a Falcons game and he calls me like, dude, I'm in the store. Do you want anything? I'm like, yeah, I want a Kyle Pitts jersey now. Uh, so um, yeah, I love I love Kyle Pitts. He was had one of the greatest uh, rookie tight end seasons we've ever, we've ever seen. Um, and I think everybody really likes him. They're just worried about the quarterback. But I just, you know, uh, there's no negative stuff coming out of camp. Them drafting, uh, the, the thing on Pitts is, is he going to play... Uh, the tight end position, right? Or is he going to play outside? He played a lot of uh, outside, which is great for like targets, but it's not great for like, you don't want him going up against corners, right? You want him going up against linebackers. And so they drafted Drake London. I think that was huge for Kyle Pitts. And London's looked looked good too, uh, th- th- this camp. No no negative really news coming from, from the Drake London camp. So I think if they have London on the outside and Pitts can play that tight end position, Man, he's a guy that he kind of like the opposite of for Fournette. Like I agree with what you guys were saying. Like when he's there, or at least Matt was saying, like when he's there, I just don't have that good vibe with the you know offensive line, all that other stuff going on there. But when Pitts is there, um, I love I love take, taking Pitts. Um, I want him to follow me everywhere. I took him in round three of an FFWC draft last night, uh, not to tight end premium. Uh, that's how much I feel. I mean, Pitts maybe not this year, but one year Pitts is going to absolutely smash. Like I think every tight end record for for a season. So um, Pitts gives Pitts gives me good vibes. <laughs> Still super young, twenty mm-hmm. like two. I think I think Mariota's okay. Like I I feel better about Atlanta's quarterback situation than Seattle's. Yeah, you know maybe that's about the only one. Maybe, <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, maybe Washington. Maybe the Jet. Like yeah. No, Mar- Mariota is okay. I think he can support. He ha- he did support some you know higher end fantasy finishes in Tennessee. Actually, I was wrong on his age. 21? 21. Unbelievable. That's right. That's (laughs) right. 22 in October. Uh, Underdog ADP, 31, mid-third, pretty consistently throughout the offseason, I would say. That's Ben. And Fantasy Mojo, football guys, 18, the tight end premium factor, you know, mid-second round for Pitts. And I wouldn't be surprised if that moved up even a little bit more because there's so many reasons to like him. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I remember last year, Mike, you saying uh, maybe we were coming to the end of the year, like, hey, where's Pitts going to go? This year, now, yeah. and drafts, and you said one, two, turn immediately, and I was like, I think you're probably right. Now he hasn't gotten there yet, and I hope, I hope he doesn't, because in like these FFPC main events, man, I want every pick. Like if he's there in the second, I'm taking him. I don't care what my build wants to be. I don't care who I took in the first round, whatever. Like Pitts is a guy that could be a, uh, you know, we could see him next year being a top five pick. That's the upside of him scoring just one touchdown last right. year. Touchdown. Now touchdown. people are like, well, but he doesn't score touchdowns. Right. None <laughs> in the United States <laughs> for his career. That's right. Adam, you wear that jersey until it becomes a Kyle Pitts stains jersey. <laughs> it's nice. It's, it's it's black. That'll be that'll be tough to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> Jared, has Josh Jacobs ever had good vibes? Mm. Before he ever played a game for the Raiders, I kind of <laughs> liked him. I feel like he's kind of underwhelmed since then. He's pretty good. I mean, he's he's yeah. not he's not a bad player, but it's like every year, this time of year, it seems Nobody like nobody likes him. Yeah, are they going to throw it to him? You know, there's what what the evidence is yeah. different reasons, different years for people to sort of be worried about Jacobs. I think he's a good player, and I like the offense, but I don't like anything else about him at this point. I mean, it starts with the Josh McDaniels hire. You think McDaniels, you think Patriots, you think committee backfield and you know often not just a two-man committee but a, a three-man committee 
the Raiders don't pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option, which you know they, they probably shouldn't have, right? They would have cost them eight million bucks in 2023. And they add Brandon Bolden, they add Amir Abdullah, they draft Amir White in round four. You know, none of those guys by themselves worry me, but the combination the combination of them is a bit concerning. And then Jacobs plays quite a bit in the Hall of Fame game, which you know you don't see. So it's like you know none of these things by themselves would worry me, but it's the accumulation of all of them. Um, so, you know, when I'm on the clock, even in round five or six and Jacobs is staring me in the face, I'm, I'm just, I'm not clicking the button on him. The so-called dead zone, right? Sixth round. Jacobs personifies it or David Montgomery, who goes a little bit earlier, but mm-hmm. he kind of personifies that as, as I understand it anyway, that dead zone term Jacobs. The thing for me about Jacobs though, is that what we started out with, nobody has ever liked him. So now we get anything negative on him. Everybody's like, see, that's why I've never liked Josh Jacobs. He's already down to RB 25 in FFPC drafts. He's probably going to slip further because we're now in season where everybody has their people that they want to make sure to get on all their teams. Everybody's wearing their uh, Kyle Pittstain's jersey like Adam. So he's only going (laughs) to dip further. And when you look at where he is now, So just ahead of him on our ADP sheet, you know, from FFPC drafting, Clyde Edwards, E. is one spot ahead of him. Antonio Gibson's one spot behind him. Then Devin Singletary. I mean, who's to love in that range? So I think that Jacobs, to me, is becoming one of those guys that there's so many bad vibes. I'm starting to get good vibes. Like, it's in the range where I'm not often looking at running backs, but... If there is a draft where I start out, maybe I get Kelsey a little bit later than I expected. Maybe I get a wide receiver. And then I'm looking for another running back in there. I'm going to start talking myself into some Jacobs because I still think that he is easily the best running back in that backfield until I actually hear Josh McDaniels saying, we want to get Zamir White on the field early. I'm going to believe that Josh Jacobs is their lead back. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think there are builds, mostly zero RB builds where Jacobs kind of makes sense. So I'm in a... Uh, I did a main event, FFPC main event from the four hole real quick. Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, Debo Samuel, Allen Robinson, Jerry Judy. So those are my first five picks. And I took Jacobs in the sixth. It's not sexy. It's not, you know, whatever. But I think he's a guy that he could solidify a a first, second role. He can even solidify a pass catching role because he's I think he's good. And like you said, he's good. And I think the offense is good. Um, I think I think McDaniels just wanted to see him play live you know, live game action. Maybe he he doesn't play the rest of the preseason, which would be amazing. <laughs> but I think, you know, you take Josh Jacobs, you know, and then I ended up going Kareem Hunt, Kenny, Kenneth Walker, like stuff like that, where you're trying to get those type of backs. But in a, in a certain type of builds where you just want um, someone to, 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 to get you some, so some production, um, I think Jacobs is fine in the sixth or later. It's not, it's, it's, it's certainly not sexy, but um, I, I, I don't hate it. To his playing in the hall of fame game, Josh McDaniels has said, he thinks running backs are a position where he wants to play them in the preseason because it's the hardest or one of the hardest positions to simulate the real thing in sure. practice. Yeah, everybody's sort of going a little bit, maybe not slower, but less physical, and so he, he likes getting running backs some preseason work as a as a rule. Yeah, maybe it's coach speak, but we at least also have to consider the option that maybe he's that's just his honest opinion. Yeah, Zamir yeah. White looked good though. I will I will say. <laughs> no, I also I also big Zamir say, White guy. <laughs> I'll also say we have Jacobs ranked RB23 in PPR. So again, I I can't, you know, th- this is a non-projections show. We're not talking mm-hmm. projections today. We're talking, right. we're talking I, you know, so I can't sit here and say he's a bad pick in the, sure. in the sixth round, but I just, bad bad vibes for me. Yep. Just if you don't like Josh Jacobs, don't make not picking up his option one of the reasons because he would, would have been due $8 million right. guaranteed. And I can guarantee you that the new leadership in Vegas is like, oh, we're not paying a running back $8 million next year. 
Yeah, yep. I've often said the Raiders have drafted for years like they don't have the internet, but maybe now they do. They have new people who might actually have the internet. Maybe they have the draft war room in there. Who knows? Let's go to Michael Thomas next. Adam, um, you know, it's pr- kind of back to Greenlight Special on Michael Thomas. I mean, we had all these questions about where he was physically, but now do you feel like we know? Yeah, and that's kind of, I think even maybe a week and a half ago, we talked about Michael Thomas. I was like, eh, uh, I don't really think so. Um, but I think, I, me personally, I was just waiting to hear how he is physically, you know, and I think we've gotten multiple reports from from beat writers from the team that he looks, uh, some of the people have said he looks just as good as he did before. And I think this is a situation where I know what are they what are they supposed to say you know coach speak and stuff like that but this situation where people have been have been dogging him for two, for two years so they wouldn't have hesitated to dog him again if he wasn't ready to go so he's a guy that um that I think some good positive camp news about his ankle was something that we were looking for and now that we got it I think it's time to move him back up now I don't love his like his style of play kind of the short intermediate timing routes that he killed it with breeze that's not Jameis winston but he doesn't he's not going in the first or second round he's going in the seventh the sixth i'd even be willing to take a shot at him in 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 the fifth round depending on the build and stuff like that so i he's a guy that i was completely out on maybe three weeks ago and now he's a guy that i'm targeting and hoping he kind of stays low in the fifth round because if you can start like if you start running back heavy and then you can get him as your rb3 or your wide receiver three i think you're doing great uh, ADP 60 on Michael Thomas, right in that range, 5-6 turn. So if you're drafting in the middle and there's a guy like that, maybe this is a better question depending on what round it is or a, a different round, but you, you go, I'm not going to get Michael Thomas if I don't pick him early. If, if people, if it looks like a draft where guys are generally going around ADP. So that's a situation where you might, especially considering it's kind of, there's a push forward on him where you might want to do that. You might want to pick him 6-10 to 10 you know, picks earlier than ADP. I think he's a guy that sort of makes sense for that. Sure. I wish we would stop getting such positive reports on him because he's already climbed from the bottom of wide receiver three range to the middle of it. I hope that he's kind of hitting this glass ceiling, though, because just above him, depending on where you're looking now, Darnell Mooney, Rashad Bateman, Deontay Johnson is way down there Mm -hmm. um, in the FFPC ADP that I'm looking at right now. So I'm hoping that that's a group that Michael Thomas can't push past in ADP because I want to continue being able to get him in wide receiver three range where the upside far out outweighs the risk. Let's move to Brandon Ayuk, Matt. He's a really interesting one. Super impressive, physical, you know, talent in that way, Ayuk. But quarterback change, the doghouse stuff from the beginning of last year, if that means anything, um, he'd be a player where I feel like some people would just be all the way out. Just too many concerns, you know. Kittle, Samuel, what will, how many times will Trey Lance even throw the ball? But there's lots to like about the player, and that's where you are. He's somebody that I've come around on during this draft season. I wasn't really targeting any 49ers for a while, even though his price was down. But we have gotten the positive stuff from him out of camp. I, we got, even Jared, when we talked to Grant Cohn on our pod, he was like, oh, this guy is maddeningly inconsistent. And I feel like every single thing that I've heard about Ayuk since then has been positive. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe he is finally getting it. The light's finally going on for him. And we'll see about that. He's still in the range where there's minimal risk to taking a shot on him. But I'm getting the good vibes because he is a first round talent. We did see him deliver 
two years ago when he was a rookie. It did take Debo Samuel and George Kittle missing time in that stretch, but we're not talking about, you know, for comparison's sake, Amon Ross St. Brown, who was a fourth-round pick and got that. We're talking about a first-round pick under who under somebody who is a good offensive coach. So there's enough here for me to bet on Brandon Ayuk without having to figure out specifically what it's going to look like. Yeah, I'm going to talk projections again for a second, sorry. But, you know, you know baseline <laughs> projections, it's tough to love Ayuk because we know it's going to be a run-heavy offense and there's Kittle and Debo there. But, like, it just takes one thing for Ayuk to hit. You know, right. either they throw more than we think and Lance is better than we think or Debo gets hurt or Kittle gets hurt. I mean, we Ayuk was, I think he was wide receiver 16 over the second half of last season when Kittle missed some time and Debo is, you know, playing the running back mm-hmm. wide receiver hybrid. So it just takes, you know, one thing to go right for Ayuk and, you know, he's going to beat his ADP. They were a challenging team to stack uh, in underdog drafts this year. I always wanted to, but you know you have different quarterback temptations. You got to sort of fall. It's got to fall into place for you on Lance. And then if you want to stack him with Ayuk, what? That's a little bit later. Maybe that's a round later on the turn. You can kind of do them together. And then once you get past Ayuk, I mean Kittle and Debo have already been drafted. Yeah. Then what? Right. <laughs> you know, like Juwan Jennings or Danny Gray are the names. Like. That's one more thing maybe to like about Ayuk. It looks like a team where there's just not a lot of target, you know, threats. Right. Mm-hmm. After, the, after the big ones, for sure. And they're not going to throw to the running backs either. So it's Ayuk's a guy that I that I was kind of out on last year and ended up working out, but I saw it this year. I see it as well. Um, and it sounds like he's kind of out of the doghouse, which is the vibe thing, right? Like you can't project that. But um, I think if he's out of the doghouse, I, I definitely don't hate that pick. And he's way cheaper this year than he was last Correct. year. Correct. Trey yeah. Lance up to QB7, by the way, on underdog when we're talking about the sacking. Might be where he belongs. <laughs> like it. All right, speaking of quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford. So we've had some news in the last week about his elbow and some of the wording Sean McVay used about Stafford I thought was cause for concern. Uh, abnormal was one word that maybe we talked about this that sort of jumped out to me. Why that doesn't sound good? Abnormal. But then the next day, Stafford was throwing in individual drills. If it was about this, I don't know for sure. But the line for the opening game moved a point toward Buffalo right after the Stafford news came out. Bills minus two. So uh, another tough mm. call here, I think, Adam. But you're you're down on Stafford, and you're so high on Rams receivers, right? And that's why. So like, I still am okay with Stafford, but I've had such a great vibe about them since the beginning of last year that even the littlest thing like like this kind of makes me think a little bit because everyone's so expensive, right? You get cu- you know cups expensive, Robinson's uh, fairly expensive, Stafford for a quarterback that doesn't run is kind of expensive, so. But I do think like if, if they really had super concern, they would have either maybe added someone or he wouldn't be throwing at all. Like the fact that he's actually throwing, I think, means something. So I'm kind of talking myself out of, out of the bad vibes thing, but I don't I don't love where it's at. I haven't dreamt of moving Cooper Cup out of my wide receiver one spot, um, but it's something to, to, to monitor. The line moving for Vegas is a is a big thing to to to, to think about, too. Um, generally, only quarterbacks move move the lines, anyways. But um, so yeah, just something to just something to matter. Not not great. Doesn't give me good vibes going into the last couple of weeks of drafting season. So we're coming up on FFPC main event drafts. Mm-hmm. I mean, some have already happened. Um, you know, he's end of the twelfth round at Fantasy Mojo, and you know, I, I would almost never want to pick a backup quarterback in those drafts. So um, he's somebody where if you wait and you're not so worried about his elbow. 
He doesn't run, but there's plenty of volume, plenty of production there. That can be okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm never picking a backup. So sometimes I have, you know, Murray or somebody like that. And then I like the idea of a Matthew Stafford or an Aaron Rodgers, but I'm still not going to do it. Indianapolis, Jared, Colts offense. Again, you know, you guys taking liberties here. I mean, let's hear some names. Here's a name on my list right in front of me from Jared. Colts offense. Everyone. Everyone Everybody. in Indy. Maybe I mean, you meant Cole Turner. Nah, nah, nah. I don't even know who that is. Yeah, I don't have any vibes on Cole Turner. I mean, this Colts offense was pretty good last year, right? They were 16th in total yards and 9th in points with Carson Wentz, who, like, no one likes, right? Like, I think Washington already hates the guy after he's been there for a few months. Um, and all the reports on Matt Ryan this offseason have been glowing. You know, he's at, more accurate than Carson Wentz. He's, you know, more cerebral at, at the line. Playing fast, which I, I like. You know, the Colts were dead last in pace last season. You know, we've heard they're going to play it quite a bit faster under Carson Wentz. So you like that for the entire offense. The O-line is still strong. I think we know Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman are, are high-end talents. Naheem Hines is getting buzz. I like Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce. So there, there are some weapons here. Um, and, I, yeah, I just, I just have good vibes on the entire offense. And, and they're cheap, right, outside of Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. All these guys are in the double-digit rounds of fantasy drafts. It's got to be an indie like if Michael Scott is out of the office and Jim takes over for the day. It's like, oh, there's somebody competent in that <laughs> office. He doesn't even have to do anything special. It's just like we can all do our jobs and everything works the way it's supposed to. This is weird. And they're going to have the Olympics in the office. That we're at, Instead of actual work, That's we're right. going to have Olympic games <laughs> That's right. here at, at uh, work today under Jim. Naheem Hines is somebody that um, I'm getting more used to, you know, sort of, okay, yes, this is actually good value. I mean, it started... This year, with Frank Reich making a comment about you, he thinks you should draft Naheem Hines in your fantasy leagues, which you know, what when Frank? Like, tell me more. <laughs> give, give me some. Give me some information here. But it makes sense that they would want to slow, you know, things for for Taylor, slow the workload, pace him a little bit, and if they have a quarterback as good as it, they might now, they should be able to do that. And you know, Matt Ryan and throwing to running backs is, is a We've all seen that uh, really go well. So Now that we've gotten all of the coaches telling us they don't care about our fantasy teams, I think the troll that we're waiting for from coaches is the guy who comes out and says, I would draft Naheem Hines as RB32, but I think he's got RB16 upside in PPR leagues. <laughs> i, I got to feed that. Nice. To, I, need, I need a path to a coach to feed that because that will blow up fantasy Twitter. That's right. I don't know. I kind of like us sort of, you know, as rivals, that. coaches that's rivals, you know, the, right. the fantasy oh, community. Absolutely. I don't, I, Bill Belichick, I don't, I don't care about fantasy football. Who needed Bill Belichick to care about fantasy football? <laughs> right. Who even thought for a second Who he needed to? Right. Of, of course he doesn't. That's right. All right, so, Jared, you're liking Indianapolis's vibes, but not Chicago's. Yeah, I mean, this has been the entire offseason, right? And nothing that's happened in camp has sort of changed my opinion on what this Bears offense is going to look like this season. O-line is a mess. Luke Getze, their OC, came out and said it last week, basically. He's like, you know, we have we have a lot of work to do still here on the O-line. I don't think there's enough work they could do to, to make that a, a good unit this season. You know, they've already lost some guys to injuries. Their uh, second-round pick from a year ago, Tevin Jenkins, is still working with the second team. He might be on the trade block. So it's not going to get any better there. We know the wide receiver core is bad. Aquanimia St. Brown is listed as a starter on their initial depth chart. Mm. Um, and then we have the Dave, David Montgomery thing. I'd like to hear your guys' take on that with, with you know, him, him playing special teams <laughs> in training camp. You know, what, what does that mean? We've heard some of their beat writers say they do expect more of a committee this season with Khalil Herbert uh, getting some more work at Montgomery's expense. So Bears are an offense. Um, I think if you just 
cross them out in your fantasy draft, you're 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 not gonna be sorry. Yeah, uh, I, I I agree. Khalil Herbert's a guy that I do have a ton of though, as a as a, like a, one of those handcuff. I think Herbert's probably pretty good, uh, maybe just as good as David uh, Montgomery, but. Yeah, it's going to be tough because even if a guy like Montgomery does go down, like, you know, how much are they going to be able to run the ball? Not that we, you know, we will want him catching passes anyways. But, yeah, it's you're right. Hurt. I mean, Justin Fields is a guy that I've been seeing in, like, the 16th round of drafts just, like, sitting there. And generally I'm okay, again, in a lot of these going one QB. But at, at, at some point, Fields' rushing upside, I think, is enough to make him um, to make him rosterable. Um, but other than that, I'm, I've, I want to be in on Mooney, you know, I just don't think he's an. I don't think he, he his talent can overtake what this offense is. I think he's 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 too small um, to be able to be the only guy there. Um, as far as stature is concerned, I mean he's super fast. He he runs good routes. Um, I think he toasted Jalen Ramsey a couple times last year. But Fields isn't some accurate, super accurate passer. So I don't know in that in, your that, in, in that in that in that range. Um, in that range, I like uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Like I like a lot of other receivers in that kind of late fifth fifth round. So yeah, the Bears, like you said, if, if they didn't exist in your on your draft war room, you'd be fine. Bateman, Elijah Moore. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm on Ross or the other good choices there. Yeah. Michael Thomas. Yep. I, at the moment. See, uh, Elijah Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown are two good comparisons, I think, for Darnell Mooney, because for me it's easily Mooney. Over those guys, you know, if I'm drafting a whole bunch of teams, then I'm not going to take Darnell Mooney every single time. But if we're getting into a season where we're drafting our team and we're setting that lineup for the season, it's very easily Darnell Mooney. And it's not because I'm getting opposite vibes from the Bears. It's because they're all priced like I don't really care what the reports are. Justin Fields is well into QB2 territory. Darnell Mooney is in the low 20s at wide receiver. So he's in the middle of wide receiver three range. David Montgomery is at the bottom of RB2 range. So everybody's getting bad vibes on the Bears. Darnell Mooney looks like he's set up to dominate targets there. Even if Cole Komet does step up, he can still get, he could get to 28, maybe even challenge 30% target share. The fact that Equinemius St. Brown is listed as a starter <laughs> only helps that. So I'm, you know, I, I think that the way to approach the Bears is head into drafts telling yourself the Bears are not going to win me my league. Don't tell yourself yep. I have to avoid all the Bears. That's v- kind of the point I was going to make. I, I think Mooney will be fine. I think Komet will be fine. I think Fields will be fine. Montgomery might even be fine. I just don't see any of these guys hitting a ceiling outcome yeah. in this offense this season. And I, you know, that's kind of I, mean, I want guys that I think have a chance to be you know difference makers, league winners for me. I, I agree with that. But we'll get like David Montgomery will fall to like round five, and if at that point you're like, well, screw it, I'm still not touching the Bears' offense. Like, or you could just take a guy that's probably going to at least be RB twenty. And for what it's worth. I'm not changing my outlook at all because he got on the field for some special team snaps in practice. That's not that's not a doghouse. That is, we would also like you to do this. I mean, I, you don't put a guy on the field because you don't like him doing something I, else. If they didn't like him, it would be Tristan Ebner and Khalil Herbert are getting touches ahead of him, not we're also going to try him here. How many starting backs play special teams, though? Yeah, but that's not that's not the point here. How many teams are coached by this coaching staff? So, like, if they were coaching every team in the league and David Montgomery was the only running back playing special teams, then, yeah, I would say that's valid. But here, it's like, I have no idea what that means, so I'm not going to assume that it's negative. The Bears as a whole, I think, have a better shot of absolutely imploding than they do of hitting any type of ceiling. And so that, to me... 
uh, is where I'm kind of off of the Bears. Montgomery makes sense in the way that Josh Jacobs makes sense in a zero RB build. But um, Montgomery, I could see that. Um, yeah, and and the I don't think that him doing special teams for a practice or two means much. But if he is their their returner, I think that means something because you don't want to get the guy hurt on special teams when he's uh, more valuable to you as a running back. So that's that's the way I look at it. Like I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's gonna play special teams in the regular season. I mean, we but. see plenty of teams toss starting receivers out there to return punts either regularly or at. Um, you know, certain times where they're looking for yardage. So I just, it's not something I'm going to overrate. I'll certainly yeah. watch it going forward to see what happens. The other one final point for me on the Bears offense is we're starting from a bad point last year. So it's not like we're taking a good offense from last year and worried about where it's going. We've already seen bad Bears offense and we still have got guys that helped us in fantasy. Yeah, I, I came into the summer kind of expecting Herbert to play a bigger role this season than last. So for me, it's been more like confirmation for everything we've you know, seen and heard out of Chicago, that that's going to be the case. I'm just waiting to see if it's actual confirmation or people just guessing, because all I've read is people guessing. That's what mm-hmm. all this is, people <laughs> guessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, David Montgomery is going into his fourth season. I think I've never drafted him, <laughs> and that has to be more than 300 drafts. I mean, it's 150 or, it's more than 150 this year alone. Yeah. I, I think I've never drafted him. I traded for him once for running back depth on a good team. Like a draft pick. Sure. I think I've never drafted David Montgomery. It's kind of like Animal House now for me. Like I, I was the one guy in my 30s that had never seen Animal House. And people go, <laughs> how can you never have seen Animal House? You've got to watch it. But then if I watch it, I don't have that anymore. <laughs> so now I just, I know it's probably bad practice because you want to have a piece of everybody. Not with David Montgomery, you're fine. I just will not, you know this if you're drafting against me. I've got a streak going <laughs> and it's reaching epic proportions and I will never want to break it. Yeah, but more interesting than that, have you watched Animal House yet? I did, but don't ask me any question, anything about it. It did not stick. Yeah. I, I felt like you know what I had a good thing there, not having seen it, and now <laughs> now it's gone. Now what am I gonna what am I gonna use? Can right. you at least do the impression of a pimple at this point? I Where don't even know what that means. Cheese. John <laughs> oh, she puts right. the cottage cheese in his mouth and punches his cheeks together. That's <laughs> got to be your one takeaway. <laughs> I think. Don't no, it didn't at even the expo, know that. I want to see you do that. <laughs> <laughs> It'll have to be pretty late. All right, another. Quarterback, bad vibes for Adam here, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is, what, uh, four or five quarterbacks after Justin Fields in drafts. It's a little bit of a different investment. Not in FFPC, really. This is, you know, redraft tournaments. You're talking about quarterback two, so why bother? Um, All the changes to the Giants that maybe, unlike the Bears, seem to get good reviews, but you're still not feeling good about Jones. They're walking bad vibe. That's right. It's, uh, yeah, it's... You know, I think recently to come out with like the the neck injury and and the reports that he's losing lost velocity, and then he gets benched the other day for Terod Taylor. Like it's just it's not going well for for him, especially for a team that you know was rumored to to draft a quarterback high in this last draft. And they hey they might bring in J- Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that actually happened for a half a second <laughs> before that that was pulled down. So um, yeah, I just. I, and the reason why I get bad, most people might not care. I'll say Jones, who cares? But I was, that was a guy I was drafting a lot early on because I thought the offense was going to be much, much better. And I still think it is, no matter who's at, at, at quarterback. But I think, you know, it it, it reflects in maybe guys like Hedarius Tony, who I'm super high on. I think we all are p- pretty high on Tony. But if they can't get a competent quarterback there, 
to give him those like Stefan Diggs type targets that I think they want out of, out of Tony. I think it reflects to the whole offense. Um, I put one name there because that's that's what we said we're gonna do. I wasn't Jared. I didn't put the whole the whole uh, Giants team down here, but I do. St- I'm still drafting like Saquon Barkley. I obviously love him. In fact, poor quarterback play probably was better for for Saquon Barkley. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I think Jones Jones is a guy that I'm not even drafting now. He might lose his job. He might be. Uh, lost velocity there in his arm, and he's a guy that the the coaching staff doesn't has no has no ties to. And it does matter because we're still drafting best ball teams. We might be shifting into more you know drafting lineup setting teams, but there is still lots of best ball drafting going on. Yeah, if you want bad vibes on the Giants, just go listen to our interview with Dan Schneier. We <laughs> yes, did on that's the right. Podcast. Um, that, that now a lot of New me. York City. <laughs> they they overblow a lot sure. of things like sure. Derek Jeter being the best player ever. Not true, but it's the whole the well, whole thing there I'm, is yeah. it's, it's it's overblown. Everything else. I'm, I'm giving this one like two more weeks because it's a brand new offense. Schneier was telling us how it's you know pretty complicated offense to learn. So I'm yeah. you know if it's still looking bad at the end of August, then it'll be time to you know really adjust the rankings on the Giants. Giants Patriots uh, tomorrow night to start the week one of the preseason. That's an NFL Network game. What may be my favorite stat in, in football right now, who was president the last time the Giants had a winning record? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Obama. Really? Was president. The Giants have not had a winning record, not even 1-0. For a day? For five oh, years. Oh, I thought you meant finishing with it. Wow. No, for, wow. A, for a day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, they did have a – they went 11-5 in 2016 under McAdoo. That's the last time – that's January 1st of 17. Wow. The election had happened, but not the inauguration. <laughs> that's your bad vibes. Oh, and the, the record ceases to be their record once you know the season's over. That's, that's right. right. That's what I'm, you don't need the president anyway for this. You just need the fact that they have not been above 500 since 2016. But, Eli Manning, Beckham, Paul Perkins. Ooh. That's the last giant team to have a winning record Paul for one Perkins. day. Yes, we're talking about a we're talking about a franchise that won the Super Bowl with a losing record. Or where were they? Like eight, eight and eight, and fall into the Super Bowl with Eli Manning. And, oh, it makes me sick. Maybe <laughs> part of why Matt has good vibes about Evan Ingram is that he left the Giants. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm still tickled about that that stat that Mike brought up. Yeah, but yeah, it certainly does not hurt a guy to leave that franchise, as you might get from the bad vibes surrounding them. Evan Ingram is somebody I'm just going to talk about on every single podcast. So whenever you guys ask for a list of players, you can just go ahead and put Evan Ingram in for one of mine. Mike, I even looked him up. I looked up the expected fantasy points uh, versus what he's actually scored the past two years after our podcast last night where you were like, well, isn't he just bad? And he didn't fare well on points versus expected the past two years. It was, uh, I think last year he was under by four-tenths of a point. The year before was two points under. So that doesn't reflect well on him. It's really just he is physically talented. There has been production in his past, even though we have to look back a little bit further than the past two years now. He lands in Jacksonville, which just makes me feel warm right now with Doug Peterson in charge, with a young quarterback, with Urban Meyer gone, and the Hayes Carlion podcast that Jared and I did where he said he expects Evan Ingram to be second on the team in targets. You know, obviously that's somebody basically guessing, but that guess is based on how he's being used in practice. And that was my only real concern heading into the offseason. I was on Evan Ingram as a free agent, just assuming that he was going to sign somewhere that he would be the starting tight end. I did not like that he signed in Jacksonville at that point because I also liked Dan Arnold heading into the um, offseason. But 
They're giving him about $10 million on this one-year deal. So it's clearly a prove-it deal, but it's also a clearly, we think you're good, you're going to start for us this year while you're proving it deal. And now to hear that the role's there, to hear that things are looking good, and, and when you combine all that with the price, which has always been enticing, I just, I feel nothing but good. The only time I feel bad about Evan Ingram is when I watch somebody else draft him. <laughs> yeah, I had this, uh, like, tingling that Arnold might eat into Ingram's workload before we talked to Hayes. But, you know, Hayes told us, you know, you know Ingram's the guy there. Um, I think he even said he expects him to be, you know, one of the top three targets in the passing game. So, yeah, until Ingram gets closer to, like, tight end 12 and ADP, I'm going to keep drafting him because I think he has just as much, if not more, upside than all the other tight ends going in that in that territory. Expected fantasy points. What are we doing here? What are expected fantasy points? We're, we're I, doing analytics. Ideal and actual fantasy <laughs> points. But, no, uh, seven. Evan Ingram, seventh best season for a rookie tight end ever, and that includes guys like Mike Dicka, like players, like they didn't even play receivers back then. Mm-hmm. Was there even a forward pass? But Kyle, <laughs> Pitt, Kyle Pitts, Jeremy Shockey, and Evan Ingram are the most recent guys. So, yeah, I mean, I think the, skill, the, the skills are there. Just run him on drag routes against linebackers. It's so simple. He was he was great at uh, Ole Miss with swag Chad Kelly throwing him the football. <laughs> Uh, so I think he'll be fine there, and we're getting him what tight end eighteen range at least. Yeah. We, we, we we into were. the twenties still we at were times. The 20s. At least. Yeah, I, I love it. Where does Derek Jeter rank among rookie tight ends? By the way, <laughs> zero. Okay, <laughs> nothing. No, no expected. I wonder what his expected fantasy points were. The Giants for one day have not had a winning record since Evan Ingram <laughs> turned pro. That wow. is true. Seven, 2017. They ruined, they ruined that young man's career like that. He ruined them. He ruined theirs, <laughs> arguably. All right, back to quarterbacks and Jared. So Pittsburgh, maybe starting with we don't know who it is, uh, which is complicating a complicating factor in the Draft Sharks Invitational and Superflex drafts where like you've got two or even three to decide from at this point. Mason Rudolph has been their best quarterback in camp by many accounts. Yeah, that's that's the story right there. That's that, that's a, that's a problem, <laughs> that's right? It. I mean, that's Trubisky has been Trubisky. Pickett has not looked ready so far. And, you know, you're not drafting those guys in anything outside of deep super flex leagues. But we're drafting Najee Harris in round one. We're drafting Deontay Johnson in round four. Um, I, I like Chase Claypool and George Pickens as double-digit round upside targets. But they're going to need decent quarterback play to, to hit, and I'm, I'm not sure they're going to get it. I almost put Najee Harris on my list of bad vibes players here, and it's that's the that encapsulates the why. It's not that I dislike Najee Harris or that I think his role is changing versus last year. I just don't believe in Pittsburgh overall, and I think to take a running back in the first round, you know, even if he's getting 450 touches, if you're taking him in the first round, you have to believe in his offense to some degree. If he gets 450 touches, he'll be he'll, <laughs> he'll finish top three. Yeah, <laughs> but if he's on that pace, he's probably not going to make yeah. it through the season healthy. Well, yeah. So you know, it just like he's he's. Been been a, v- a bad vibes player for me all along, and I think that the Steelers quarterback situation is the best reason for me why. What about you, Adam, with Najee in drafts? Like, at the, at the end of the first, are you there? Are you on him? See, it's one of those situations where, like, I don't hate him. Uh, I just, uh, I like a receiver there. Like, give me a receiver, or if we're in a tight end premium, give me a tight end, because they're just safer, less chance to get hurt, less chance to, to bust. Like, I don't, th- I don't think he's going to bust because... The, sh- the targets are going to be there. The rushing is, is going to be there. Matt does make a good point where the more the more touches, the more injuries can happen. But I think he's 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 built big. 
Um, I think he handled it last year. So am I. But that's right. <laughs> so it's I just felt different. <laughs> I just like that's right. I just think that uh, receiver there is much much safer. Um, give me Diggs. Give me CD Lamb in that range where Najee. If Najee were to fall to me in the second round, okay. But he's just a guy that and 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 again, I could take him and and if I want to do like a heavy RB build, uh, fine. I feel I feel fine with him there. I just don't think he's going to be the RB RB one. Um, and but yeah, the the anytime you have a quarterback situation like the Giants, like the Steelers. It's going to be tough to really love any any of the picks unless it's George Pickens. Give me Joe Mixon, <laughs> Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley in that range. Com- oh, completely agree. Running back wise, for Swift. sure. Yeah, Jones. Swift no. and Jones have been I, yeah. not bad, but negative vibes for me in the range where they're going. Barkley and Mixon to me wouldn't be crazy over Najee Harris. Um, mm-hmm. But so what? That's five running backs. If you can, you know, CMC, JT, Eckler. So I could see Harris at six. I just think that I, I think the argument for him is floor because of the volume. Correct. And if you want to go floor, I'm with you that the, those wideouts are even safer. So you, know, yep. so, you know, that's if you're going running back, Harris is, is the floor guy for me in the first round. Yeah, I'm never drafting him. One, Najee Harris in 66 best ball manias. No Montgomery. One, <laughs> Najee Harris. Largely the same reasoning. Also, 94 targets. Yeah. Ben Roethlisberger takes the snap. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that's right. No, that's it. Yeah. No Trubisky. matter what these guys look like, they're not going to run. It's going to be a different offense. They've all said that. It was yeah. Ben's offense. Now it's Matt Canada's. I can't imagine... 94 targets no. for the running back. Correct. That, that's coming down, but he's also he's a good pass catching back. He was a first round pick. Like he, you know, he's not going to get phased out of the passing game. He's not going to get 94 targets again. But I'd take the over on you know 70 targets. We would like to announce Jared's new deal as the agent for <laughs> Najee Harris. Congratulations, Jared. <laughs> yes, good vibes right there. All right, bad vibes. Javante Williams, Matt. That's a second round pick. Yeah, and it's similar to Leonard Fournette, but the question on Javante Williams is different than what it is on Fournette because we are pretty sure Fournette's getting the work. Is Javante Williams going to get it? I don't know. And the other side of people arguing for taking Javante Williams there tends to be, what if he turns into Jonathan Taylor? I don't think that that's a realistic consideration because I think for Javante Williams, we probably need Melvin Gordon getting hurt for that to happen. For Jonathan Taylor to do that, we just needed the team to not put Naheem Hines in the backfield as much. And, you know, in hindsight now, that was the obvious way to go because Jonathan Taylor is a much better running back for running purposes than Naheem Hines. So, of course, you're going to feed him the ball a whole lot. Is Javante Williams a much better running back for at least running purposes than Melvin Gordon, I don't know. We don't. The numbers from last year don't say that it is. Maybe he will be. Maybe he will be in year two. Maybe he improves on what was an encouraging rookie year. But I'm not drafting maybe in round two. Everybody's a maybe to some degree. But if I'm picking in the first two rounds, I want to pick something that's as close to for sure as I can get. And when I'm looking at the other guys around him, Kamara, Connor, a couple of guys that I mentioned with Fournette, those guys are there. Wide receivers are there in that range. I just, I'm not getting to Javante Williams more than the occasional exposure in best ball just in case everything breaks right for him. You guys? Jared? Uh, Yeah, so hit... Williams ADP swings pretty wildly, I think, for an earlier round pick. Like I, I've seen him go mid second in some of these high stakes FFPC drafts. I've seen him drop to the mid third a lot of times. When he gets to the third, that's when I'm willing to pull the trigger. I like the range of outcomes at that point. Um, I think, let's say it's a sixty forty split 
with you know Javante and Lee, which I think is close to worst case for him, assuming health, obviously. I think then he's what a fourth round value, you know, maybe fifth. But I think a fourth round value in that offense with his talent. So I think worst case, you're lo- if you're taking him in the third, you're losing a round of value, and I think he still could deliver first round value if it's like a you know seventy thirty split. So if he gets into the third, that's when I'm going to pull the trigger, especially in these tournaments where I'm shooting for the for that ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and oh yeah, oh, that, that's it too. Like to me in. Like a main event draft, uh, I actually just, I'm in a slow draft right now, um, and I t- we took him in, we had the fourth pick, I think, and we took him in the late second. Um, because of, I do think there is that, he's a Melvin Gordon injury away from that Jonathan Taylor type season. I mean, he's not going to get the maybe the the rushing volume and the volume that Don- Jonathan Taylor got last year, but that offense is going to be incredible. O-line's fine. Um, they're going to be moving the ball up, up and down the field. They're going to be in shootouts with some really good teams in the AFC West. Like I could absolutely, I mean, this is a vibe show, an instinct show. I could absolutely see something like that happening. I think Jared hit the nail on the head too with it being like the worst case scenario for him would be that. And Melvin Gordon too is like number, I think number two in active running backs as far as t- t- total touches career. So he's, you know, he's getting up there. He could absolutely, I think he's seen set over 1,700 t- but, t- total touches. But now that he's splitting touches evenly, that injury risk is way down because he's not getting those touches no, I, now. I, I totally, I totally get it. And like I've said before, I think, you know, Melvin Gordon's like the Thomas Jones of this era where he just goes from <laughs> team to team cannibalizing the number one running back on that team. So I'm not like super in on, on Javante, but like in a, you know, in a high stakes draft tournament style where you're looking like, hey, if, I, if this breaks right, and I don't think it needs to be a ton. I mean, people get injured they, they, and they might just come out and, totally just use him uh, a ton, Javante Williams. You know, Nathaniel Hackett likes to throw to the running backs. I know Melvin Gordon's a great pass catcher, but I just think there's something there to him having a monster season. This is his second year. I mean, how many years do you got to wait generally for these guys to to, to smash? It's not exactly vibes, but you mentioned getting him at pick 21 in your main event. So if I underdog now, if I'm four or five, Javante Williams is the tipping point for whether I'm happy with my second round. And I mean that I'm not if I get him. Like, I, yeah. I take him reluctantly. Yeah. That's, you know, 12 running backs have been taken. All these guys we just talked about. I don't mind taking Fournette. Even Kamara earlier, it was, you know, it felt like it was too early. But, okay. But if I'm, I will take Javante Williams over maybe Mike Evans or Nick Chubb. But I'm, I'm sort of like, ugh. And everything you said, I mean, that's what I have to remind myself is this could be a smash, but it just never feels really good. FFPC, in that particular situation, the tight end premium saves me because I can take pits there, maybe Andrew slips, and then also like a Barkley or somebody like that sometimes slips too. Uh, Then I'm ecstatic. That's exactly right. I was was just going to say that. I'm not targeting Javante Williams. Like if Pitts, my God, please, Pitts fall one one time there. Saquon Barkley, you know, maybe CeeDee Lamb or something like that. One of these receiver slips. Um, I absolutely love that. But I think if you're looking for like, hey, I need need a running back and I'm looking for a league winning type upside, uh, I think Javante could could be the guy. I just think people are overtelling themselves the upside story on him. If your upside story on a guy includes this guy could get hurt. And you're taking that player in round two. It's just too early for that story. If that guy's in round four, fine. Yeah. But if that sure. guy's in round two, it's just too early because you're taking him over guys where the upside story doesn't need anybody getting hurt. It's just, well, if he stays yeah. healthy, then he's going to smash. To me, there's a reasonable chance that a 29 year old Melvin Gordon declines this year. And, you know, by October, Denver's like, you know, we're, we're going to give Javante 70% and you've of the lost back a month. work. 
You've lost a month, and if we're That's talking okay. about That's, upside for a tournament, then the, you're four weeks down in value already, even if he then smashes from then on. I think if Williams is an RB2 for the first month, and then he gives you top-time production the rest of the way, you're doing fine again. In, in these tournaments, all the money's at the end. That's when we want Javante to be you know, giving us those big weeks. I thought it would be cute if I did a, a couple of my own. <laughs> That's adorable. Uh, three, actually. So I I'll think just, you're cute always. I'll just name them, and you guys tell me good or bad. That all right? Yes, I like it. Just rapid fire here to end the show. Elijah Mitchell. Neutral, honestly. Started out bad, but he's come down, so I'm neutral. Good-ish. I I like the vibes on him. I don't like the vibes on the 49ers O-line right now. I don't like when running backs gain weight on purpose or on accident, I guess. (laughs) So, um, again, zero RB build, fine, is your number one. But... uh, out on Elijah Mitchell. I love him. The uncertainty, <laughs> the uncertainty is like their brand. Shanahan. Everybody just sort of assumes oh, they're going to do something you don't expect. I mean, he he was good, and he was Shanahan's guy last year. Yes, the draft pick, but I'm attacking the uncertainty and drafting Elijah Mitchell. It doesn't. It doesn't sound like Ty Davis Price has made much of a move yet. Yeah, I, I think he's still behind Jeff Wilson and maybe even Trey Sermon. I don't even <sighs> want to say that, but. So if, you know, if you back. thought TDP was the threat to Mitchell, I think you know that that's gone good for you if you're a Mitchell fan. Trey so Sermon in round twenty is fun, by the way, because you yeah. don't have yes. you don't need him to do anything, and if he does, you're like, oh, can you imagine you all the people drafted him, him in round six? Because <laughs> well, maybe here's, here's the other thing too, Vibe. Like maybe he was in the doghouse just like um, Ayuk was last year. Like maybe he's. I mean, he's really. How could they whiff that badly? Like they liked Trey Sermon. A lot of guys that we respect like Trey Sermon's tape. Like he was really that bad. Like maybe he was just in the, in the doghouse. Uh, I'm talking myself into sermon in the 2020th <laughs> round. Are. Why not? Adam and I drafted FFWC, the, <laughs> the, the 1K Dynasty League, okay. started up this year. Yeah. And it got to the point where, you know, deep dive rookies before the NFL draft. And I'm like, Tyrion Davis Price, LSU, let's do that. And so, you know, who? <laughs> so we drafted him way over drafted by, based, according to expectations, like third round, right? San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, that's the mother load. San Francisco, yeah. second day. So. A month after that, we got a trade offer, and Adam's like, "You're not going to want to do this because your guy is in the in the offer." Look, no, I, I love this trade. Let's trade him. Because <laughs> right. I don't think he's going to be good, and so yeah, I think we go. sort of scored on that. What was That's the trade? We got to know what the trade he was. He would remember. I wouldn't. Re- it was involving uh, a quarterback. We have sort of a good team for this year, so we got Cousins, Penny, and super Lazard. Flex. Super? No, not Superflex. Is not it? Superflex. Not Superflex. Okay. Cousins, Penny, and Lazard for Davis Price and Prescott. Like it. Eh. Hate it. You guys hate it. <laughs> I, I like vibes? I like the, the vibes vibe on, on Penny a little it's bit. Okay. I, no, I, okay. I'm not here to push for Seattle. It's okay. You know, <laughs> guys, but I think Penny's really good. So good. yeah, um, I didn't mind getting him, and then Lazard could also be in a good spot. So didn't helps really you, care about the quarterback you for this year for sure. Yeah, that was the thinking. That's yeah. right. Uh, Traylon Burks talked about him at the beginning. Bad vibes, but I'm not phased. You guys. I think it's the whole BC Johnson thing, like running with the second team. Like I don't. Even that report was funky. I mean, right. The the guy who made the original report kind of backtracked it and said he's running some with the second and third team, but he's right. also running plenty with Tannehill. So yeah, I think he's going to be. And here's the thing too. Like I know people don't want to talk micro micro, but like <laughs> they need him to run like AJ Brown type routes, deep deep drags goes like then all he does he's raw he doesn't run the route they don't want him to do that they want to run play action to derrick henry and hit him on deep drags and he can absolutely do that that's what he's going to thrive on run after the catch so i'm i'm in on on um Traylon burks um i have good vibes i don't need him to be justin jefferson for his storyline <laughs> to match justin jefferson
person. I, sure. I'm taking him because the bad vibes are keeping him, keeping the price down. Whereas if there were good vibes, he would be somewhere in the 30s already. Yeah. Will he play a lot week one? Can Tennessee win? Or will the Giants beat them and have a winning, <laughs> a winning record, record for the first yes. time since 2016? Batting the mortgage on the, the Titans in that game. Oh, Giants, wow. Giants won't start one or no. Tennessee minus six if you want it. Uh, one more. <laughs> Kenneth Gainwell. I've heard a lot about Kenneth Gainwell from people talking, but I don't know what's actually happening. He's got a hip injury right now, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't 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 seem major, but um what was the quote? High high leverage situations yeah. for Gainwell, which meant the coach passing. is wearing his t shirt. How high <laughs> yeah. leverage is that? <laughs> so passing down Dan goal line was the report, which, you know That's all we want. Yes, exactly. Out of running backs. He gets, if, he gets, if Gainwell gets the passing down work and the goal line touches, Sanders can carry Hundred more times in him, and Correct. Gainwell will score more fantasy points. Yep. And we've talked about the injury guide. We talked about the projections uh, there. Miles Sanders is tied for the highest injury risk among running backs, and that is especially noteworthy, I think, because we don't have him projected for the kind of workload that Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry or mm-hmm. other bigger, you know, big workload running backs get. We have him projected for, I believe, fewer than 200 carries, and he's still way up there. So a legitimately a legitimate injury risk. A guy we don't know how the team feels about as a receiver. Um, I, I definitely think Kenneth Gainwell is in view, regardless of how you're building out your roster. And unless he's changed his mind, Miles Sanders would not draft Miles Sanders. I was just gonna say, Miles Sanders said, "Don't draft him." <laughs> so I'm that's, gonna take his his word for it. That that that's been a bad vibes guy all summer. That's because right. I, I liked him quite a bit in the winter and spring. I'm I'm kind of off. I'm taking Edwards Alaire over Sanders every time now, and that's usually a decision you're making in the you know seventh or eighth round of these. What about drafts. AJ Dillon? Yes, I'm taking Dillon over Sanders too. Pollard. Yes. Yes. Not Interesting. For me. Interesting. Sanders, Sanders over Pollard. Pollard. Sanders Pollard. for me too. All right, we'll settle this away because we don't want cameras to have to witness what will happen. <laughs> the, the bloodbath will ensue. Uh, thanks again to Rock Fox for hosting, and we'll be back next week. Talk about week one of the preseason, some different topics. Should be a lot of fun. Matt Schauf, Jared Smola, Adam Krautwurst. I'm Mike Shope. Thanks for watching.